And we ask, Lord Jesus, that this morning as we've come to your word, that you would bless this portion of your word. That you would speak to us in the moment, in the season that we find ourselves in, Lord. That you would awaken us, Lord. That you would challenge us. That you would encourage us. Lord, that you would comfort us. There's so much comfort in the text that we are about to read, Lord. There is a lot of encouragement for us to draw from. But I pray, Lord, that we would use this, Lord, and that, Lord, we would apply it in our lives so that we can continue to run the race to win, that we would finish well, Lord. Lord, that you would bless this time that we are together, wherever we're at, Lord. I ask for all the needs that are taking place right now around us in our community, Lord, in our world, God, in our country, Lord, even in our homes right now, Lord, for those that need you, Jesus. Lord, that you would open their eyes and that you would, Lord, give them a hunger and a desire to know about you. And Lord, to ask about your word, God. In Jesus' name we pray and together we said, Amen. Amen. We are at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and the title of today's message is The Strength of God in Weakness. The Strength of God in Weakness. Now, for many of us, we're going through a season right now in life where we are facing some challenges and some oppositions. And here Paul is going to tell us about how the strength or the power of God was revealed in his life in weaknesses, in vulnerability, through trial, through opposition, through the challenges. Because if there's, there's something that we see, a constant theme that we see here towards the end of this epistle is that His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is enough for me. I, I recommend, I encourage you to write that down. His grace is enough for me. And Paul here is speaking to the church of Corinth in the midst of a time where there are a lot of false apostles that are coming in with a self-promoting ministry that glorifies themselves and doesn't glorify God. Now here Paul is ending this epistle and he's going to tell them from his perspective how he is a true apostle sent by God. Not sent by man, but sent by God. How this ministry that he has is a true ministry. It is not fake. It is not deceiving. It doesn't have an ulterior motive. But here he shows them Everything the Lord blessed with him with, both the heavenly experiences and the trials, and how the trials served him with a purpose, and how the Lord provided in the trial. Now, if there's something I want you to remember today is that God has a purpose for every trial. God has a purpose for every trial, and in every trial, He also has a provision to get you through the trial. I want you to remember those two words, the purpose of the trial and the provision in the trial. Because God has both. He has have a purpose in the trial that we're facing right now, in the weakness that maybe you are undergoing, in the challenges that maybe you are facing. There's a purpose in all of that. And also there is provision of His grace to meet the need in the midst of that season. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, because now Paul is opening up now his heart as well, as he has been in previous chapters. And he's going to give us, number one, a revelation of heaven that he received. A revelation of heaven that he received, but also a thorn in the flesh 
that he received. He received two things. He received a revelation from heaven, but he also received a thorn on, uh, uh, in the flesh from the Lord. Do you know how both of those things were from God here? And let's read here verse 1 of chapter 12. It says this, It is doubtless, it is without a doubt not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I don't know, or whether out of the body I don't know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. How he was caught up into paradise and heard the inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Now here Paul is saying, and he opens up this letter, giving an introduction of a revelation of heaven that he experienced. In fact, the Lord allowed him to have this revelation of heaven. And he goes, without a doubt, it is not profitable for me to boast. We've already established that. That boasting is not of the Lord. That is not of the Lord's nature. That I will not boast about these things. However, I must reluctantly tell you about an experience that I had about heaven. However, I will still be very cautious and very careful to tell you about this vision and about this revelation that I had of heaven. Notice he is sharing now what God had been showing Paul and he speaks about it here in verse 2 and verse 3 and 4 in third person. <laughs> Do you notice that? I know a man. <laughs> And how this man was caught up, I don't know whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He's speaking about himself. <laughs> Paul is doing everything possible in his power to take the attention off of Paul and put it on what the Lord has shown him. Do you notice that he's doing everything he can possible to relate this experience and to bring the attention and the glory not to himself but to the Lord? There are often times that we have just amazing successes in ministry for the Lord. The Lord provides us with, with such a blessed season and very fruitful season in the Lord. And our responsibility like Paul is to take all of the attention and all the glory and to give it to the Lord, not to ourselves, not to take it by any means. And it tells us this in verse th 3, And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I don't know if this experience was, was in a dream or I don't know if this was maybe as I was caught in a vision. I don't know how it was, if it was maybe in, in my body or the Lord took my spirit out of the body. I, I cannot explain how I had this revelation or I had this vision, but I saw heaven. <laughs> you notice that He's going to give us this? In fact, in verse 2, He's already told us that it was 14 years ago. <laughs> Now notice that 14 years ago, a man was caught up to the third heaven. Now it was very common for them to refer uh, to heaven as the third heaven. And the third heaven, they explained it as if this was the first heaven where they see the birds in the air and, and, and all the living creatures in the first heaven. They would define that as the first heaven. The second heaven, they would define it as what's past our atmosphere, past our hemisphere, outer space, that would be the second heaven. The third heaven now, they would now describe it as the place where God dwells. So he's saying, 14 years ago, I know a man that was caught up to the third heaven. Notice that this experience that Paul had 
was 14 years prior to when he's finally speaking about it. Now we see here that Paul kept quiet about this or kept this to himself for 14 years and then he finally reveals it when he needs to share it. And when he does share it, he shares it in such a limited way, his blessed experience of heaven. Now notice that he is so careful about how he's about to speak about this. You know, if this were to happen to us, that we would get a revelation or a vision from heaven, I don't think we would have waited 14 years to talk about it. <laughs> I think we would have quickly posted about it. We would have told everyone about it. We would just, maybe even some people today, you see it. They want to write a book about it. They want to make a movie about it. I saw heaven. I experienced heaven. I came back to life. I was dead and I came back. No, you know what Paul did? He knew this was experience was from the Lord. So he kept it to himself. This is when you know something is real, something is from the Lord. Oftentimes when God places something in your heart, when God places something and He allows you to experience a vision or a dream or, or He reveals something to you from His Word, it is possible that He wants that for yourself only. And that's why for 14 years He did not share it now. But he kept it to himself and finally now he's been very careful about this vision and about this revelation. Because just like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 saw heaven, just like John the apostle or the disciple saw heaven in Revelation chapter 4, we see here an account, a brief limited account on how Paul was taken up to heaven. Now let's read verse 4, it says, How he was caught up, speaking of himself, up into paradise, and heard unexpressible words. Notice, Paul is not saying what he saw. It is, it is unlawful to speak about what he saw here in this season, in this section of Scripture. He's only talking about what he heard. He didn't, he didn't tell us about what he saw. He's telling us about what he heard only. And then when he tells us about what he hears, he says this. He says, I, what I heard, it was inexpressible words. I, I, there were, I can't even describe it with words, or words cannot describe or express what I heard when I was in heaven. These outstanding words. These words that are difficult to describe. He goes on in verse 4. He says, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Oh, this is amazing. Because God did not give Paul permission to speak about what he heard or what he saw. He said it was unlawful. It would be illegal, he said, to speak about the things that I saw and I heard, these things that humans are not allowed to tell. And notice how he's keeping it so simple and he's focusing off of himself and onto the Lord. And you can already see here in verse 4 that, that God didn't want us to know, so He didn't give Paul the permission to speak about it. And that's why you know that this personal encounter of heaven was real for Paul. That's why you know it wasn't something that he made up. Because it took a lot of self-discipline for him to really keep it to himself. And he didn't try to use it as a means to promote himself or to build credibility or to build followers. He knew it was something that the Lord showed him. He knew it was something that God had given him as a way to keep him strong through the trials. You know, that's what heaven does for you and for me. When God has shown you the revelation and the vision of eternal life through His Word, when He has given you that peace through the Holy Spirit that you know that heaven is real, 
Do you know that one day you're going to meet Jesus face to face? It changes everything about your life and it keeps you strong through the trial. You know why a lot of people are frustrated and afraid and scared right now is because heaven is not real for them. Although heaven is real to them, they have not accepted it as real in their lives. They have not professed it as real in their lives. Therefore, they are fearful of what happens after you die. But Paul knows, I know what happens after you die. I'm going to go to heaven. Therefore, I'm not scared of dying. And God gave him this revelation, not only to edify the church and to let the church know about heaven, so, but also so that you would have something to hold on to in the middle of the trial. Notice that heaven is for you to hold on to. The promise of heaven is for you to hold on to in the middle of the seasons of trial and of suffering. Now let's keep reading in verse uh, 5 because he's going to tell us that he doesn't want to boast about this experience. Let's read verse 5. It says this, Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except of my infirmities. In fact, he's saying, if I was about to boast about anything, I would boast about this. However, I'm not going to. <laughs> if there was anything lawful for me to boast about, it, it would definitely be this. If there was anything worth me boasting about, just like the other false apostles do, I would actually be boasting about something real and it would not be wrong of me if I had that desire. However, I will not boast. If there's anything that I will boast about, in verse 5 it says, I will boast about my infirmities. What does the word infirmity mean? If there's anything that I will speak about, will not be something that's going to bring attention to me or glory to me, or it's not going to be something that makes me above anyone else. If I'm going to be, speak about something when I speak about myself, I'm going to speak about my weaknesses. I'm going to speak about my weaknesses. Why? Because my weaknesses reveal and serve as a backdrop for the glory of God. If I'm going to speak about something, I'm going to speak about weaknesses because it shows that it's not in and of myself that I'm doing ministry. It's not in my own wisdom, it's not in my own power, it's not in my own approval that I come as an apostle. In my weaknesses, I demonstrate that it's the Lord that has placed me here, and it's His power and His strength that helps me endure through this time. Let's read verse 6, it says, For though I might desire to boast, even though I would like to tell you, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you see the amount of self-control that he displays here? That he's not going to do something that's going to bring attention to himself. It's so difficult to learn that in today's world. Even if it's about something that is spiritual, it's from the Lord. There are times that we use something that is supposed to glorify God alone. And we start to touch now and place our fingerprints all over the work of God. As if it was in our own strength and power or as if it was because of us that God accomplished His own work. Now you see how Paul is being extremely careful to not put his own fingerprints on the work of God. And he's saying here in verse 6, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. It is foolish to boast about the things that God does. Because they're not in and of yourself. It's not because of us. And he's saying there, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. I will speak the truth. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even be a fooling you. I wouldn't be foolish if I spoke about these things because they're actually true in this, in this context. 
Because it actually true what I saw here, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me or what he hears from me. Now, in fact, if I were to boast, I wouldn't be a fool this time because I'm speaking the truth. I'm not like them, uh, the other apostles that are speaking lies. I'm speaking the truth. I'm not exaggerating now. I'm not telling you anything wrong. I'm not lying to you. I'm not miscommunicating anything. I would be telling you the truth. But I'm going to refrain. Listen to this. But I will refrain. You see the self-discipline? I will refrain. I will not do it even though it's true. Why doesn't he want to do it? Why is he refraining now? Because I don't want people to give me more credit beyond what I deserve. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to boast about this. Because I don't want people to give me more credit than what I actually deserve. I don't want them to think of me higher, even more higher of me than, than what I really am. Therefore, I'm not going to boast about this because when they see me or hear from me, I don't want them to assimilate to, oh man, that is Paul, he went to heaven. You see how the attention quickly shifts from heaven to Paul? And he did not want that. In fact, he's saying that this proof, this experience is very, a, it, it, it only displays the truth in the ministry of Paul. And when it was necessary, he would speak about it only when it was necessary. And that was the absolute revelation and the vision that God gave him in heaven so that he can hold on to it during the trial. See, today me and you, when we look at the promises of God, we look at the verses that say, you know what, in this world you will have tribulation, but cheer up. I have overcome the world. It automatically tells you there is a promise in heaven. When, John, when the Lord told us in John 14, be, let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Believe in God, you also believe in me. In my Father's house, there's many mansions. And if they were not so, I would not have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing that God is preparing a place for us? Therefore, your heart doesn't have to be troubled. You don't have to be afraid. God is preparing a place for me. And this is not the end. In fact, this is the beginning of me putting my trust even on the Lord even more during this season. And here Paul was explaining the revelation that he had. That the Lord caught him up into heaven. He didn't even say it was him. He said it was somebody else 14 years ago. And he's saying, if I, if I were to even boast about this, I wouldn't be a fool because this is the truth, but I will refrain, lest someone give me credit beyond what I actually deserve. A humble man. You see that the Lord wants to use humble men and women? But how did he, Paul become humble? You see, there was a purpose now in what the Lord is about to give him. He first gave him an experience of heaven, but then afterward, he also gave him a thorn in the flesh. Then from verse 7 to 10, we're going to learn about the thorn in the flesh. Let's read verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And he's saying, after the Lord gave me that experience, He also gave me something else. <laughs> so that I wouldn't be exalted, so I myself wouldn't become proudful, like these other apostles that are false apostles that love themselves, that love the glory of man, so that I wouldn't be proud in of myself or exalt myself or think of myself highly or beyond what I should think of myself without honesty. The Lord gave me something to keep me humble. 
Wasn't that interesting? And it's so amazing that the Lord will give you something with a purpose. He will allow something to come into your life, a trial to come into your life with a specific reason. And he's saying, the Lord gave me here, lest I should be exalted above measure because of this amazing revelation. He gave me a thorn in the flesh was given to me. Now underline that was given to me because the Lord gave it to him. It was a thorn in the flesh now. And there was a purpose on why it was given to him. There is a purpose for this thorn. What was a thorn here? Sometimes when we think of a thorn in the flesh, or we read this, we, we automatically think like of a thorn or a splinter in your finger. <laughs> but that's not what he's talking about. That's not what the kind of thorn that he's referring to. He's almost referring to as of a stake tent that goes to hold down a tent. Right? Have you ever seen set up a tent before and you set up the stakes on the ground to hold down the tent? Now he's saying it's almost like a big stake that is holding me back, that is holding me down, that is restraining me now from being lifted above what I, need, above what I would be lifted. It's almost like a hindrance that is pulling me back from what I can possibly do in ministry. It slows me down. It keeps me humble. Why? Because after receiving this amazing, wonderful, incredible revelation of God, this blessed privilege of God, God then also gave me a thorn. <laughs> and He gave it to me in the flesh. Now, He doesn't tell us what the thorn is. A lot of times, Bible scholars and commentators believe that this thorn was something physical, maybe blindness, blindness or anything else that had to do with His body. Because he speaks about it in the flesh now, or it's in his physical body, and it was given to him. And it was a tool now, this thorn that was given to him by the Lord, as an instrument, listen to this, as an instrument to drive Paul to greater dependency, as an instrument to drive Paul to greater faith, as an instrument to drive Paul to greater obedience in the Lord. It was a thorn. It was a trial. It was something painful. It was a thorn in his flesh. It was something that he was battling with, something that he was dealing with, and it, it could have been a health issue. And when we think about maybe the thorn that God has given us, it could be something, a health issue. It can be maybe even a circumstance, a situation that God has put there, and it is something that you have to struggle or to constantly battle and fight with that Lord, the Lord has allowed to be in your life. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a, a job environment or a work environment that God has placed you in, whatever it would be, but it would be to grow your dependency, to drive you to more dependency, to drive you to more obedience, to drive you to more faith in the Lord. And notice that in verse 7 he tells us this, that this thorn was given to me a messenger of Satan. Now what does he say? Why does he say a messenger of Satan? Because the enemy tried to use this thorn also to discourage Paul. The enemy also tried to use this thorn to disqualify Paul, to put Paul in the flesh and not want to serve the Lord. It was a messenger of Satan. The enemy was trying to also use that and also to buffet him or to beat him. You see, Satan will use a thorn in our lives to try to overthrow us. Well, God will use the thorn to sanctify us. Do you notice that? That the trials in our life, Satan wants to use those trials to overthrow us, to disqualify us, to discourage us, to make us want to quit, to make us want to give up. 
He uses those trials. We just want to quit and give up. But those thorns in our lives that are painful to carry, that are painful to bear, are actually there by God to sanctify us, to purify us. In fact, it was there so that he wouldn't be exalted above measure and to protect Paul from his own pride, to protect him from becoming pride and to keep Paul teachable. Do you notice how a thorn in your flesh, maybe it's something that is painful that you have to bear and keep with. It keeps you teachable. It, 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 it reminds you that, that, Lord, I need to go to you so that I can learn from you. It keeps you usable because no longer are you proud. You're battling with something that you don't have room to be proud and you remain humble. This is the humility now in the suffering that he's learning. Now, when things go awesome in life and we experience these beautiful moments of success and of, uh, of fruitfulness in life or in ministry. It's so easy to st sometimes start to believe and start to really receive the credit for everything that God is doing in our lives. Therefore, Paul, the Lord said, I'm going to protect Paul, my servant. And I'm going to give him a thorn in his flesh. And he's going to battle with this. But this is so that he knows and he keeps depending on me. And this is so that he pr I protect him of his own pride so that he doesn't think it's of himself. So that he knows that everything that I'm doing and how I'm using his life, it's not because of Paul, but it's because of me. And he has to now depend on me for every need. You know how, how thorns may, make you realize that you need now the Lord even more so? It's almost like a cleansing work of self and of pride, the thorn in your flesh. And I'm going to ask you today, maybe what is that thorn that maybe God has placed in your life? Is it a health issue? Is it a person? Is it a situation? Well, God has a purpose for all of that and, and for that thorn. As painful as it is now, a thorn reminds you, listen to this, a thorn reminds you that you're weak and a thorn reminds you that you need Jesus. Isn't that amazing that what the thorn does, the purpose of the thorn? The purpose of the thorn is that it reminds you that you are weak. It reminds us that we're weak people. It reminds us that we're disposable people. <laughs> it reminds us that we need Jesus to, to now rely on or to depend on now. And He's going to tell us in the very next verse, in verse 8, as to what He did when it came to this thorn or this painful experience that He had to deal with. Let's read here verse 8. It says, Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Now do you notice what He does now? He pleads with the Lord. And he asks the Lord, he goes to the Lord in prayer about this thorn. He goes to the Lord in prayer about this thorn. And he tells the Lord three times, he goes to prayer, and he says, Lord, remove this from me. <laughs> and you know what he does, what we actually can appreciate about Paul? He does exactly what he tells us to do when it comes to trials. What did he say in Philippians chapter 4? Be anxious about nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that he told people to go into prayer in the trial? Now, in fact, he himself, three times, he went to God and he asked the Lord in prayer, Lord, free me from the storm. A lot of times we think that that person in our lives is a thorn. Oh man, I can't stand that person. But that person keeps me humble. <laughs> I can't stand that job, but that job is keeping me humble. 
I can't stand this situation, but this situation is keeping me depending upon God. It's keeping me humble and, and knowing that all glory belongs to the Lord. And, and three times he went to the Lord, Lord, just remove me or free me from this. Remove me from the struggle that I'm battling with, this physical thing, maybe this emotional thing, this spiritual battle that is a hindrance to me. There are a lot of times in my life, or maybe you've experienced it before in your life, that if that situation wasn't taking place, you would not be hindered in your capacity or in your ministry. And Lord, if it wasn't for that, Lord, that job, then Lord, I would be running so much faster in ministry. Oh Lord, if it wasn't for maybe that financial situation, I would be going for it in ministry. I'd be giving you all the glory. Oh Lord, if we had just these resources, or if I didn't have this health problem, that maybe, just maybe God, I would not have to go through all of this, and I can be glorifying you and using you more. No, God is using all of that in your life to serve a greater purpose and to keep you usable, to keep you teachable, to keep you humble now, to keep you simple and glorifying, not in yourself, but in the Lord. You know, God wants to use humble servants, and He will let you go through the struggle. So that He can keep using you. <laughs> he will let you go through the struggle so that He can keep you usable. That's why it's so dangerous to start to appropriate the glories of fruitful and blessed and successful season in life to ourselves. Do not appropriate it to yourself. Give the glory to God. It's not of ourselves. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, Paul told the church already, stop now boasting in yourself. There's so much pride, there's so much ego in the church right now. Do not be fooled and be in bondage to pride and to ego and to self. It's, there's so much selfishness now. There's so much self-promotion. What did he say in 1 Corinthians? God has chosen the weak things to confound the wise, that no one should glory in His presence. God wants all the glory. God doesn't share His glory with another. Therefore, He gave Paul a thorn in the flesh. And this thorn that He gave him was for that purpose, to keep him humble. That painful experience was to keep him humble from everything that God was doing in Paul's life and from this revelation that he was giving him. But also, that thorn didn't only come with a purpose, that thorn also came with provision. That thorn didn't only come with a purpose, it also came with provision. The purpose and the provision in the trial. Let's read here, verse 9. And he said to me, I went three times, and this is what the Lord told him all three times. <laughs> You know, this is so important. He said to me, why don't you underline that in your Bible? He said to me, because this is the Lord's response. There are too many times, sometimes we're busy telling the Lord what, he, what we want Him to do in our lives. Lord, do this, do that in my life, do this other in my life. Or in the situation that we fail to listen, why He brought us here, what He wants to say, and what He wants to do. Notice that. There are a lot of times we say, Lord, remove this, take this away, Lord, free me of this, and that we fail to listen to what He has to say on why He brought us here, what He wants to say, and what He wants to do. That's why it's important for us to go to prayer and to listen. Lord, is this season a thorn maybe to humble your church from pride, from ego, all across the churches? Is this season that we're going through maybe you on a personal level that you're facing uh, a certain trial and tribulation, is it for a purpose so that you can learn to listen to the voice of God? You know, if you're not listening to the voice of God in trials, we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer because we're going through them in our own strength. And God will give you something. 
He will give you a trial, but also He will provide strength for you in the trial. Every moment, every single moment, for every pressure in your life, for every purpose that God has for in your life, there is ample, there is abundant provision for you. Provision is, am- is amazing. Because provision, it's defined as the continual activity of God in the daily lives of His children. Do you see the activity of God in the, in the daily lives of His children? That every day, you, whoa, that was the Lord. He provided for us. In spite of my situation, the Lord provided there. He provides for you in the trial. And this is what the Lord told him. He is providing for him. He's faithful. I'm going to give you this trial, but I'm also going to provide for you enough to handle now the trial that I've given you or this thorn. And he said this now, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This should be underlined in every Christian's Bible. Because we are going to go through, undergo now trials and tribulations and weaknesses in life. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, the grace of God is enough. My grace is enough for you, Paul. Now, Paul, I know that you want me to remove this trial, but my grace is enough for you. My grace is available to you in what? In sin? The grace of God is available to us in failure. The grace of God is available to us in weakness. It's available to us in failure, in sin, and in weakness. And he says, you know what? My grace, this favor and this love that covers you, Paul, is enough to get you through this situation, to give you the strength through this situation so that you can endure. And notice, it's my grace. My grace. Whose grace is it? Is it Paul's grace or is it somebody else's grace? No, it's God's grace. Grace is the favor. Grace is the love of God in action. A lot of times we try to display or describe what does grace look like. It's favor and love in action. (laughs) It is the gift of God that you don't deserve. God has given you so much favor and love in action. And it is displayed in your life. And He's saying, my love and my favor for you, my grace in your life is enough. And notice how that word that He says is. This means it's it's right now it's enough. (laughs) It's not that it was enough in the past. His grace was enough for me in the past last season. Or His grace is enough for me in the future season. No. It's not saying that or someday it's going to be enough. No, it's saying right now at this very moment, Paul, my grace is sufficient. Sufficient. What's the word sufficient mean? That my grace satisfies every need that you have, Paul. There are times where we struggle and say, Lord, I, don't, I need this other thing to help me. I need you to remove this. I need you to maybe put me in a different season, a different circumstance. But the Lord is saying, no, my grace is sufficient. Sufficient. My grace fulfills every need. My, my, my grace fulfills every need you, you have. And you don't need anything else but my grace right now, Paul. In fact, my grace is enough. What does this tell us? That God has a supply of fresh supply of grace for every season and enough to meet every need that we have. He gives you grace to go on. He gives you grace to endure. His grace meets every need. My grace is enough. Notice what he says later on in this verse, verse 9. For my strength, that word strength is my power. Why is His grace enough? Why is it that His grace is enough? Because His power, the power of God, is made perfect in weakness. 
My grace is enough because His dynamite power is made perfect or is completed in our weaknesses. God loves to work through our weaknesses. Notice that God loves to work in our weaknesses. The New Living Translation reads this verse like this. Each time, I told the Lord, take this away. Each time, He told it, my grace is all you need. Each time He says, my power works best in weaknesses. <laughs> oh, isn't that amazing? Because it shows now that the power of God is what's doing the ministry, and it's not the flesh of man. In fact, He goes on, therefore, I most gladly... Or, this, or the, he says in, in another version, Therefore I will boast about my weaknesses here, and I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I'm going to boast about these things, so that the power of God can rest and it can dwell upon me. There are often times where we want instant relief from this affliction. And we say, Lord, do it now. Give me instant relief. And, and there are two ways that God can give you a relief from a trial. He can either remove that thorn from the flesh. Or He can give you strength now to now bear the thorn. He can either remove the load that you carry on that, your shoulder. Or He can also strengthen that shoulder that carries the load the, as the Lord would do it now. And that's exactly what He was doing for Paul. He was strengthening Paul under the thorn now. And he's saying, Paul, I want you to continue to yield. I want you to continue to surrender. I don't want you to continue to depend. I want you to continue now to rely on me. Because my grace is the power of God to fulfill what you lack. Notice that. My grace, the Lord was saying, it has the power enough to complete and to fulfill what you're lacking. And we really don't believe that the God's grace is sufficient. You really don't even experience the sufficiency of God's grace. Notice this. And please be attentive to what I'm about to say. Because this is heavy. You don't experience the grace of God. You don't even believe the sufficiency of the grace of God. That it is all sufficient and it is enough. We don't believe that until we first know and believe that we are insufficient. You know what the, ta what the thorn does? It, 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 it reminds you, I am insufficient. And the grace of God is sufficient. I am, in, I am not complete. And the grace of God makes me complete. Do you see that? It upholds me. It strengthens me. It encourages me. It comforts me. It's almost like the Lord was telling Paul, take it, take it, my son. This is for me. And Paul is saying, Lord, I want to give this back to you. And he said, no, no, that's from me, Paul. I gave that to you. <laughs> And maybe today the Lord is telling you, my son, my daughter, that's from me. Keep it. Keep it. Don't try to give it back to me. This thorn that you're battling with is from me because it's building loyalty for me, between me and you. Because it's building fellowship between me and you. It's building that you now are relying on me. What are you relying on today? God is giving us those thorns in our flesh so that we can rely, so that we can lean on Him. Have you ever seen someone walking with a cane or some crutches because their, 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 their foot maybe is broken or an ankle is sprained? You see the weakness in now that ankle? And guess what the Lord says? Let me be the one that upholds you. <laughs> Let me remind you that you don't have strength enough to go on. I've given you a thorn for a reason. Therefore, I'm going to boast about this so that the power of God can rest on me and not the power of man. 
Notice that in the end of verse 9, it says this, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Which power does he want to rest upon? Does he want his own power? Does he want the power of his friends or his colleagues or other apostles? No, he doesn't want any of that power. He wants the power of God. God made Paul completely dependent upon his grace to the point where Paul was no longer ever self-dependent. In fact, he was grace-dependent. He was relying on the grace of God. He says, you know what? It's the grace of God that is sufficient for me. That's why a grace-filled Paul said this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what he was saying? He wasn't saying that on top of a mountain, raising a sword and, and all victorious with a cape. <laughs> he was saying that in jail, in prison. Lord, I can endure all these trials. I can, the, I can endure these beatings. I can endure this thorn. I can endure this hunger. I can endure this season. I can endure this pandemic. <laughs> I can endure it all through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of times we put all our focus on the power of man and we start to panic. The power of man will make you panic because the power of man is never enough. Is never enough. But the power of God that is resting upon you like the grace of God is always enough. Therefore you can say, I can go through this season. I'm not scared. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can go through every trial. He provides His grace enough for me during this season. Verse 10, as we finish, Therefore I take pleasure, and when He's saying here, Therefore I'm grateful. Therefore I think that this, this trial, this thorn is a good thing. Therefore I am well pleased in this. Therefore I will stay in the will of God. Because this is a gift from God and is necessary to make me useful now for Him. Because this makes me humble. Because this makes me dependent. I will take pleasure now in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions now, and in distresses. For whose sake? For Christ's sake. <laughs> For Christ's sake. You know, it's almost like amazing when you read that because you can say, For Christ's sake, <laughs> just endure. Not for your sake, for Christ's sake. I'm in this, and for Christ's sake, I can endure. I can endure weakness. I can endure opposition. I can endure trouble. I can endure uh, now these persecutions and troubles. I'm suffering all for Christ's sake. For the sake of Christ, I'm going through all of this. And he's not taking pleasure in pain itself, but he's rejoicing that the power of God is being manifested, is being revealed through him, and he starts to see the thorn in a different way. And I pray that today you see the trial and the thorn in a different way. You see that person in a different way. You see that job, that circumstance, this season in a different way. In fact, he said, I'm looking at the thorn now in a different perspective, at a different light now. I see it as an occasion for the glory of God. Do you see that? He sees the thorn as an occasion for the glory of God and he's thankful for it because it's, it's being used as an instrument in his life. Notice, God will not remove something from your life. God will not remove something from your life. He will not take you out of a circumstance in your life if it's going to bring Him glory. If it's going to bring Him glory, then He will keep you there. Because He desires to use you for His own glory. And therefore, Paul had to ask himself, am I concerned more, after the third time, am I concerned more with my personal comfort or with the glory of God? And what are you concerned more with? Because he tells us here, 
At the end of verse 10, he says it like this. For when I am weak, when I in my weaknesses, then I am strong. When I am weak, what does he tell us? Then I am strong. Now, I want you to underline that in your Bible because he's saying, in my weakness, my strength in God grows. It's almost like John the Baptist where he says, I must decrease so that he can increase in my weakness. My strength in God grows now. And Lord, glorify yourself in my weaknesses. Bring praise to God. Magnify yourself or the work of God in my life through my weaknesses. It's almost like the Lord is saying the weaker the human instrument, the more clearly you can see God's grace and power shine through that vessel. There are a lot of times where you say, how, how can it, the Lord possibly have been used, Paul? A man that was being rejected, a man that didn't have everything that the world wanted. He's saying, you know what, I'm just going to glory in the Lord. That me, a weak person, is being used by God. And I thank God that, yes, He's blessed me with knowing heaven. But I thank God that He also, He has given me and I've received this storm. That I wanted to say no to it, but the Lord said, keep it, it is for me. Because every time he reminded of the thorn, you know what he also reminded of the presence of God that was with him. And every time you think about the trial, I want you to also think about the presence of God that is with him. The more aware you become of the trial, the more aware you should become of the presence of God. It's almost like Jesus. What did Jesus do in the garden? He went three times to the Lord. He said, you know what, Lord, if, if you can take this cup from me, then you do it. But the Lord said, no, I, I have this cup, I have this thorn for you. In fact, it's a crown of thorns. And I want you to take this thorn to the cross because I'm going to glorify myself through you, son. I need you to keep this because it's going to bring me glory. I need you to keep this because I can continue to use you as an instrument. The crown of thorns had to come before the crown of victory. The crown of thorns had to become before the crown of victory. And Paul refuses. He's saying, I'm not going to be a victim. I will not be a victim. I will choose to follow the Lord. I will choose to follow the Lord. Just like what Jesus said, He was obedient to the Lord when the Lord gave Him His thorn, His cup of judgment. There was a Sunday school kid that went up to his teacher and he said, Teacher, why is it that when, when Jesus went to His disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane three times, why didn't the third time after he told them, watch and pray every time. How come the third time he didn't just come to them and he said, you know what, just, just sleep on and take your rest. How come he didn't just finally tell them, sleep on and take your rest? And the teacher said, well, I don't, she was just confused. She was baffled at the question. Why is it that God didn't say just sleep and take your rest? But the little boy said, I think I know why. <laughs> because Jesus had seen the face of his father and he didn't need their help anymore. You know what the thorn does? It takes you to prayer so you can see the face of your father. It takes you to prayer so you can continue to depend on your father. And you can think, you can say, know this, that he doesn't send any affliction unnecessary. He will not send anything your way unnecessary to those that he loves. He will always send something that is necessary and then provide in the trial. Therefore, you can know, number one, the Lord gave it to me. Number one, the Lord gave it to me. Number two, the Lord has a purpose for it. Number two, the Lord has a purpose for it. Number three, the Lord will provide for it. 
Not only did he give it to me, not only does he have a purpose for it, the Lord will provide strength for it. The Lord will provide strength for it. And number four, the Lord uses me in my weaknesses to glorify him. The Lord uses me in my weaknesses to glorify him. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for heaven. We thank you because heaven, Lord, gives us hope. But also we thank you, Lord, for the thorn that you've given us to keep us leaning on you and relying on you and on our own strength. We thank you because your grace is enough. It meets every need. It meets the spiritual need. It meets the physical need, Lord. It gives us strength to go on when we think we don't have any strength to go on, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that today we would run to your grace, Lord, not to our own strength. That we would never try to take more credit for ourselves than what we rightly deserve because you deserve all the credit. You deserve all the glory, God. I ask, Lord, that we would only rely on your grace, Lord, that makes us fit for service, Lord. And that we would, Lord, go to the face to, of the Father, that we would go see the face of the Father in prayer and no longer go and try to see the strength of man. We thank you for this beautiful word, God. And we pray, Lord, that you let us look at the thorn. Look at the thorn as an opportunity for spiritual growth and faith and obedience in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we said, amen, amen.